rejoice in the one who has saved us in one accord let's give God the glory The very ones created to glorify God now grieved the heart of the Father and were in need of a Redeemer, worthy of a royal procession and a majestic welcome. He was greeted instead by the cradling of a manger. As he grew to be a man, the purpose the Father had for him was on display. He taught in the temple and worked mighty miracles for all to see. Yes. Christ was sent as the mercy of the Father to a fallen generation, and the love of God was a glorious thing to behold.
Jerusalem may not have realized it. Jesus was fulfilling Old Testament prophecy as he rode into town on a donkey that day. All they knew was that this was the man who had healed the sick, cleansed the lepers, and performed amazing miracles, like turning water into the finest wedding wine. He had even done the unimaginable when he raised his friend Lazarus from the dead. Shouts of praise rang out from their lips as they cried out, Hosanna, save us now. The irony of their words was surely not lost on the Savior who knew exactly what was going to happen in just a few short days. The book of Luke tells us that he had even wept for that lack of understanding. But each was a soul he would die to save. If you or I had been standing in the crowd that day, can you imagine the range of emotions we would have felt? Watching as our Messiah passed by would surely have been an overwhelming sight.
says we bring Blessed is he who has come down to save us Sold every heart fit for a king For a king, be fit for a king. The celebration of the Messiah was short lived, and soon people returned to their daily lives. However, the week ahead witnessed our Lord teaching in the temple and ministering to the people. He commended the widow as she brought all that she had as an offering and prophesied of the destruction of the temple and end times. All the while, his authority constantly questioned by the religious leaders. Yet the people hung on his every word. Passover was quickly approaching. And Jesus called his disciples together to share a meal. Following the Passover meal in the upper room, Jesus went with his disciples to Gethsemane. And there, as he prayed alone in the garden, he was overwhelmed with sorrow. he must have thought of his heavenly throne and the eternal praises of the angels and all that he had traded away to become like one he was sent to redeem. But as his mind turned back to the glory of the Father, he cried out from the heart of a lonely, grieving son.
beyond what Christ did for us on the cross. The believer's heart is gripped by the power of God's love in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The brutality of his sacrifice shows God's response to our sin in light of his holiness. Our response should be nothing short of approaching the cross in thankfulness and awe. of all who witnessed the cruel death of Christ on the cross that day. The disciples had scattered, overwhelmed with hopelessness, as the crucified Savior was sealed in a borrowed grave. Three long days of grief and sorrow soon turned into rejoicing as the stone rolled away, revealing an empty tomb. Christ had conquered the grave and defeated sin and death, showing himself to be not only the Lamb of God slain for our sins, but also the victorious, risen King.
our music ministry has beautifully lifted up the Redeemer who died on the cross for sinners and then rose again uh, to offer forgiveness from the guilt of sin, freedom from the very power of sin, and then uh, life with Him forever. Uh, I pray God will open uh, the eyes of our hearts this morning to see the infinite price our Redeemer paid to secure the gift of eternal life, uh, which He offers to all who will receive Him as Savior and Lord. So let me, in the moments I have with you, uh, simply remind you of the price He paid uh, to secure your eternal salvation. Prior to being nailed on the cross, uh, Jesus was scourged. He suffered the humiliation of being stripped of all of his clothing as he stood naked before the gawking crowd. They tied him to a very low stone column with his uh, back bent over and his face toward the ground. The scourging was administered by a Roman soldier who was a professional executioner that they called a lictor. His weapon was a whip that consisted of a very short wooden handle uh, to which was attached long strips of leather with bone and metal sewn into the tips to rip the flesh of the victim being scourged. Jesus was whipped for about four minutes, uh, leaving his body literally ripped to shreds. He suffered significant blood loss and was left in a state of shock uh, just short of death. At this point, Jesus became a comic king in the eyes of the soldiers as he stood before them, his body a mass of bruised and bleeding flesh. They crowned him with a crown of thorns, pushing the thorns deep into his brow. Uh, They mocked him, spit on him, and beat his face until he was virtually unrecognizable. This helps us understand one of the prophecies concerning his sufferings in Isaiah 52. We read in verse 14, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any man, and his form marred beyond human likeness, beyond human recognition. Uh, Isaiah 53 verse 3 reads from the paraphrase, the message, he was looked down on and passed over. A man who suffered, who knew pain firsthand. One look at him and people turned away. We looked down on him and thought he was scum. He who knew no sin became scum on our behalf that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. At this point, the soldiers redressed Jesus and hung around his neck a sign naming his crime, King of the Jews. Uh, They began the long, hard walk to Calvary with Jesus carrying his cross, but the tortured body of Jesus fell beneath the weight of the cross 
as a man named Simon was forced to bear the cross of Jesus the rest of the way. Arriving at the place of execution, Jesus was laid on the cross as the sacrificial lamb uh, to take away the sins of the world. And to hold Jesus in place, the soldiers drove large steel spikes into his wrist and into his feet. The sign that read King of the Jews was attached to the cross directly above his head. Then the cross was tilted and dropped into its socket uh, with the sudden jolt sending a shockwave of unbearable pain throughout the body of Christ. Again, I'm reminded of Isaiah 53, that marvelous promise or prophecy concerning his sufferings, and we read, but he was pierced, why? You know, for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. This punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Death by crucifixion was one of progressive weakness giving way to agonizing pain. Uh, Just like other victims of crucifixion, uh, Jesus was given to constant motion on the cross to avoid suffocation. Uh, Because of the slumped position of the body, uh, respiration was greatly restricted. For this reason, uh, when one was nailed to the cross, his legs were left bent so that he could raise his body to breathe. But to raise the body, Jesus had to flex his elbows and then push against the spike that had been driven through his feet. So each time he lifted to take a breath, each time he spoke one of his seven statements from the cross, he felt excruciating pain where the spikes were nailed through his feet and through his wrist. Lifting his body would also painfully scrape the wounds on his scourge back against the rough wood of the cross. Add to this intense thirst, exposure to weather and insects, and unbearable muscle cramps. After six hours of being nailed on the cross from nine to three, when his muscles could no longer lift his body to breathe, he gathered enough breath to make his last two statements from the cross. The Bible tells us he cried out out in a loud voice, It is finished. Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he bowed his head, gave up his spirit, as he breathed his last breath. When Jesus died, the Pharisees rejoiced. We're finally rid of that blasphemer. Jesus is finished. The Romans, in their arrogance, thought Caesar remains Lord. Jesus is finished. The devil and his demon horde celebrated. The Son of God is defeated. The devil has won. Yes, Jesus is finished. And even his own disciples wept in dismay, totally perplexed, thinking, how can this be? Jesus is finished. But the Pharisees, the Romans, the devil and his demons, and even Jesus' own disciples 
were not listening. Jesus did not say, I am finished. He was shouting in triumph, it is finished. The work I came to do on earth is finished. The work of saving mankind from the guilt and power of sin in order to bring them into a dynamic relationship with God is finished. Jesus actually spoke just a single word which is translated in our Bibles, it is finished. The actual word he spoke was teletestai. Teletestai. In Jesus' day, that word was written on a bill of indebtedness when the debt was paid off in full. So when Jesus said, it is finished, he was saying, debt paid in full. His death on the cross was the payment for our sin debt to keep us out of the debtor's prison of hell. He took our spiritual bankruptcy and covered it with his solvency. He canceled out our sin debt and then deposited into our account all his righteousness to give us a right standing before God. He did not just make a down payment on our debt and then expect us to keep up the installments. No, he said debt paid in full. Colossians Colossians chapter 2 verse 14 reads, He canceled the record of charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. As mentioned earlier, when a criminal was executed, a sign naming his crimes was hung around his neck and then, of course, nailed above his head on the cross. Jesus took the sin list that hung around my neck and your neck like a hangman's noose, and he nailed it to his cross to cancel out the record of sin against us. And the words, listen, this is beautiful, the words canceled the record of charges would be better translated to wipe off, like erasing a blackboard clean. God offers to wipe the slate clean of all sin for anyone who puts their trust in Jesus Christ for salvation. And it even gets better. When Jesus said, into thy hands I commit my spirit, the word commit means to make a deposit. So listen now very carefully. The proof God was satisfied with the sacrifice of Christ as payment for our sins was the resurrection of Christ as God snatched up the payment, signifying a completed transaction. Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus is alive. Therefore, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead then is available to you today. God wants the resurrection of Jesus to be more than an historical event that we celebrate once a year. God wants you to experience the power of the resurrection every day so that you can walk in newness of life, not only free from the guilt of sin, but free from the very power of sin. And that power comes from the Redeemer who by His death purchased your life in order to possess your life. The Bible says all have sinned. And what? Fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says the wages, the payment 
for sin is death. And that death refers to eternal separation from God, not only in this life, but in the next life. But then it goes on, but the gift of God is what? Eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I invite you this morning, come to Jesus. Put your faith in the one who took the punishment you deserved, the one who died in your place to make payment for your sin. I invite you, come to Jesus. Ask him to forgive you, and he will wipe your slate clean of all sin. I invite you, come to Jesus. Come to him. Surrender your life to him. And then live the rest of your life for him, motivated by gratitude. Motivated by love for the one who said, it is finished. Debt paid in full. Jesus is the Redeemer. The only question is, are you one of his redeemed? Would you bow with me in prayer? If you are here this morning and you've never put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, you've never made your heart His home as you invited Him into your life, not only to forgive your sin, but as you would turn away from your sin to follow Him, to give Him total control of your life. I want to give you that opportunity to do so uh, right now. This is a very personal transaction between you and the one who loved you, the one who was scourged for you, the one who was pierced for you, punished for you, who died for you, but then rose again for you, that you might come to know Him and to know the eternal life that He offers, and that life is in Him. He that has the Son has life, but he that has not the Son hath not life. So the only question today is, do you truly possess the Lord Jesus Christ, and does He possess you? So if you've never put your trust in Jesus, I'm going to challenge you right now to do so, to acknowledge, yes, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner, and yes, I I deserved the pain you experienced, but thank you that you took my punishment for me, that you, the one who knew no sin, that you became sin for me, that on that cross, you became who I am. 
And God treated you just like you had lived my sinful life so that this morning you could receive me in your mercy. As if I had lived Christ's sinless life to know salvation. And then just simply invite him in. Lord Jesus, yes, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Wipe my slate clean of all sin as you promised. Take control of my life because you are the Redeemer. And as the Redeemer, you purchased me. You purchased me as your possession to live for your honor, to live for your glory. And just like Jesus had a work to accomplish here on earth, You have a work for me to accomplish here on earth. And I want to surrender my life to you to discover what that work is, what your plan is for my life, and then by that power of the resurrection to fulfill it in honor of you. So I just want to give you just a few moments. If you need to make that prayer your own prayer, I... I would ask those of you who are believers, great time for you just to express your heartfelt gratitude for who He is, what He did for you, to renew the surrender of your life to Him, realizing that the one who died for all died, that we may no longer live for ourselves, but for Him who died for us. So just love Him right now. Father, again, we thank you for the offering of the sacrifice of your Son on Calvary's cross. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you voluntarily were willing to make that sacrifice. Those religious Pharisees, the Romans, they did not take your life. You freely gave up your life. They were merely the instruments in your hand to administer punishment against the sin that we deserved as Jesus took our place on that cross. And how we praise you that because he was an innocent victim without sin, the grave could not hold him, that the Father was satisfied with his Death is payment for our sin, and he was raised, and he's alive. Lord, I have to thank you this morning. I can think back many years ago when I was the age of these college students, and my life was a wreck. I abused alcohol, abused drugs. I was into immorality, rebellion. I had no sense of direction or purpose. I became just depressed, broken, 
is I realized I was trapped in a lifestyle I couldn't get out of. But how I praise you that through the testimony of some young men and women my age and others that I saw your reality saw your life being lived out in and through their lives thank you for the hunger the thirst that it created in my heart to come to know you and I thank you for that glorious day September 20th 1970 when you captured my heart when you penetrated my darkness and I put my faith in you and Lord I'll never forget when you wiped my slate clean of all sin when you set me free from not only that guilt of sin but then I had for the first time the ability not through my strength and power but through you taking up residence in my life I had the ability to walk away from the very power of sin its hold on me to follow you and not that my life has been perfect since then you know it hasn't Lord there's been many ups and downs there's many been many denials and failures but thank you once caught by your love there is no escape you love us with a love that will never fail us a love that will never let us go but praise you a love that will never let us off when necessary disciplines and corrects but a love that's eternal so Lord I pray that there are any here that have not yet come to know the preciousness of that love, they would this day as I did so many, many years ago and was set free from the guilt and power of sin. And then, Lord, for us that are believers, that our hearts would be awakened uh, with a deeper appreciation, deeper love for you, and a desire to turn from all that would displease you uh, to honor you. And to do that, again, not out of sense of duty or obligation, but just delight because of a relationship of love and a desire to please you. For it's in Christ's name we do pray. Amen.